Hello and welcome back to another Music Ally Focus with me, Music Ally's editor Joe Sparrow. And this week we welcome a very special guest. It's Brady Sadler, CEO and co-founder of podcast company Double Elvis, who, in what makes this some kind of meta podcast, will be talking to me about creating successful music podcasts, the opportunities for successful music podcast brand partnerships, and music podcasting's role in introducing people to catalogue and new genres of music. That's coming up in a moment. Uh, Music Ally provides an analysis-rich guide to the music business, and that's what this Music Ally Focus podcast does too. We're analysing this week one of the most meaningful things that's happening in the music business, and it will be brief. This podcast will take about the same amount of time as it would take Girish Kumar to hypothetically swallow and regurgitate 500 whole boiled eggs. Girish remarkably swallowed and regurgitated 25 boiled eggs in one minute in Bangalore in 2013. The kind of spectacle I think we can all agree uh, is sorely missing in our day-to-day lives. Anyway, speaking as we are of expelling things from our mouths at rapid speed for other people's entertainment, let's move on to our special guest. Now, Brady Sadler is the CEO and co-founder of Double Elvis, the music-focused podcast company behind the hit rock and roll crime music podcast Disgraceland, which you may well have heard and is now an Amazon Music exclusive, and other high-profile podcasts, including the recent hip-hop-inspired audio drama podcast Here Comes the Break, uh, which was made in partnership with Def Jam and featured an exclusive soundtrack, and we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes. Double Elvis focuses on music theme podcasts hosted mainly by musicians or music-related people like Andrew Luke Oldham, who has a great podcast interviewing various people in the music industry. And another one is the Curious Creatures podcast with Lol Tolhurst of The Cure and a slight name drop here, my Berlin buddy Budgie from Susie and the Banshees, who told me about it. And it's really good, and I will link to it below this podcast. Now, on Music Ally, we've written a lot about the space where the music industry and podcasting meets, so we've invited Brady onto the show to talk about the future of music theme podcasts and creating valuable music industry podcast partnerships, and as well the role of music podcasting uh, in the sense of creating context for music and in particular catalogue music as well. So Brady, can we start by talking about your partnership with Def Jam, which is quite an innovative and interesting collaboration because... It's a little bit more nuanced than than maybe a standard music uh, podcast. So can you describe it a bit and explain how that partnership came about? And also perhaps tell us what Def Jam wanted out of that partnership. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our uh, core podcast, Disgraceland, came out of an idea that my business partner, Jake Brennan, had in that he had been fascinated by music history. He was a musician himself for many, many years, toured, always heard these stories that he didn't find in a lot of places, but that he found really interesting and thought could be shared in a creative way and was inspired to combine those stories with what he was seeing as this emerging true crime genre in podcasting and beyond, which he was also a big fan of. And he created Disgraceland. And a lot of people said, you know, if you're going to tell these stories about known artists, you need the music or nobody will listen. And he said, well, you know, that's a hurdle that I'm not interested in trying to overcome now. And so I'm going to create all original music, not cheesy sound alike music, but really thoughtful original music as a musician myself and with a you know network of artists yeah. around me did that became a big hit and yet we we still said to ourselves there's got to be room to innovate here on this format and this foundation that we've built 
and go and license music? And could we do that in service of music discovery and mm. do that to bring awareness to emerging artists? So we came up with this vision for a fictional narrative series that would have cameos from real artists, emerging artists. And rather than going and finding and curating those artists ourselves, we thought we'd go to find a partner who could bring a roster of artists, but also could layer in some marketing and support in growing the audience for the show, which is key, and where we could find real shared uh, interests and goals. And so we got introduced to the folks at Def Jam, and they've been really trying to do a lot of things to uh, bring their artists into new mediums. And they saw this as a unique way to do that. And they also had been investing a lot in emerging artists. So it was really a good fit for their goals. And we put it together and each episode there was within the fictional narrative, that artist cameo, and then an exclusive listen to one new track from that artist. And then at the end of the season, we released a soundtrack with all the songs that had been released throughout the season. And uh, every week the artists were doing their own promotion, telling their fans to go check out the podcast. And there was this really cool cross-pollination of creators all working in service of great storytelling and music discovery. Yeah, and that's sort of a quite modern form of collaboration, isn't it? We've seen a, a sort of parallel to this would be, for instance, in there's some new downloadable content in the Grand Theft Auto universe and Dr. Dre and a bunch of affiliated artists are appearing in that as characters and there's original music. And this is something which obviously is desirable because in, in the modern sort of the rapidly evolved music industry, people are looking to be cross-platform in these um, sort of nuanced ways that deliver what people want in different places. So the music in this Def Jam podcast was obviously essential for the, for, to complete that picture. Historically, licensing music for use in podcasts has been tricky, to say the least, or, or at least complicated. So how, what was it like to hammer out the deal with them that inc included that exclusive music? And did you face any licensing challenges or was, or was the nature of this podcast, did it make it more simple? You know, in some ways, the challenges of licensing music are there and present no matter where you're licensing music yeah. for. We all know that it can be very cumbersome. And I think that in this case, we just had motivated parties who were willing to work together to overcome some of those inherent uh, challenges and needs to really have all the paperwork buttoned up to work really far in advance and try and get ahead of these things. And we did make some strategic decisions like selecting tracks that had fewer contributors, for example, which made it easier to get some clearances. So I think that there are just some general lessons that anyone experienced in licensing music can bring and apply to this, this same space. Uh, so we, we didn't find too many unique uh, licensing challenges, I would, wouldn't say, but I do think that we had to be very deliberate about how and what we chose to license. Yeah. Brand partnerships are obviously an integral part of some of the, the, the podcasts that you, that you produce. You literally wrote a book on brand partnerships called uh, Collaboration is King. So I'm expecting an uh, expert answer to this part of the question. But what, what are brands looking for? in partnerships with music podcasts and what sort of brands are looking for partnerships and what opportunities are there for them? Brands are facing 
lots of challenges when it comes to reaching people, given the amount of content that's out there, the ability to pay our way as consumers out of advertising through lots of streaming platforms and memberships, the privacy challenges and, and new regulations that are coming into play. And so brands are looking to be more creative. And some of the same things that you're seeing in influencer marketing and the rise of TikTok and brands trying to utilize those types of pathways to reach consumers are what's at play in podcasting. So you have these voices who consumers are putting right in their ears and they're listening to, and it creates a very intimate connection. And if they're creating content that is of a nature that has storytelling at the root of it, which great podcasts do, you're very susceptible to new messages, recommendations as a listener. And that's the perfect place for a brand to insert themselves. You have brands all across different, uh, different types of businesses and sectors advertising in podcasts. And I think the key is finding that fit to where you know, they're most impactful if there's some relevance to the host who's recommending and doing a host read. You have also different types of advertising, of course, and host read advertising really comes across like an endorsement and a recommendation, just like any influencer, any, any well done influencing influencer marketing would do. And so I think that's where you have, you know, influence story, trust, and an opportunity. One of the unique things with music is that uh, you're, you're combining sort of deep fandom, whether it's around a genre or a musician or an artist or, or something like that, with the authenticity which is inherent with those people. Your, your presenters are very often musicians themselves, you know, so they have that, all those things, authenticity and fandom, uh, and, and they're often natural storytellers as well. So obviously that is very desirable to brands. How do you make that work in a way that fits all the parties involved? Because while musicians perhaps these days are, are more comfortable with working with brand partnerships, I, I, I always think back to the late 90s where it was literally the worst thing you could do is do, is, is do a brand partnership. And now it's completely different. But they still, have to be, they still have to feel comfortable with it. So how do you make that work in terms of the way that the brand partners with it? And how do you get creative with that? It starts with the presenter or the host themselves, and we always build in an approval layer for those hosts to say yes or no to any given advertisement that they're going to read. From there, the smart brands are giving some latitude to the hosts and letting them make it their own. Of course, they have to hit the key points that sell the product or service, but there's room to improvise there. And, and as you said, you know, artists are inherent storytellers. They're very creative. They know their way around a microphone. They also understand audience because great artists know how to interact and build those relationships and create fandom. So giving them the creative space to put their spin on ads, again, those ads that they approve are some of the best ways to make sure you find that impact. And, and I think artists are truly musicians are truly in a unique position to be really impactful influencers. When you think about the rise of, of influencers, going back to that point, you know, yeah. musicians were one of the first class of true influencers yeah. that got on yeah. social. And you think all the way back to MySpace, it was musicians yeah. who were pioneering yeah. the power of those types of social platforms. 
What about um, th- those sort of enhanced partnerships, as sort of like the Def Jam one, where it's more than advertising and it's more about a close collaborative partnership? Uh, obviously, that takes a lot more effort and a, a lot more uh, work and, and structure, whether they're brands within the music industry or external to them or, or parallel to them. Are they keen to really dig deep and, and create something uh, new, a, a bit like the Def Jam partnership? There's a lot of willingness right now to create innovative partnerships around podcasting and audio-based storytelling. And that's for, that's because there's growth in the space. It's, it's new and it's exciting. There's a lot of things that haven't been done before and a lot of room for creativity, as well as the fact that you have a lot of platforms and big tech companies that have big audiences investing in these mediums. So that's generating a lot of interest and excitement and and that willingness to really dive deep and try to do things that are that are new and and be collaborative in a way that can serve the goals of be it a label or a brand, uh, but also to test and learn and, and try to figure out how these things can become more instrumental parts of an ongoing strategy and, and growth plan as opposed to just small experiments. So if you're finding this podcast useful and you crave a bit more of Musicalized in-depth news and trusted analysis waiting for you in your inbox every morning, as well as access to all our industry-leading reports, head on over to musically.com slash subscribe. Um, If you work for an indie label, are an artist manager, are an employee of CMOs or a publisher, you may be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions too. Okay, let's go back to the conversation we're having with Brady. Let's move on to the sort of the nature of music podcasts then. Um, Podcasts seem ideal for music. Music fans love discussion and dissection and geeking out of their favorite music um and podcasts give them that environment to to listen and sort of do that so how do you choose which people i.e the you know the presenters often ex-musicians or current musicians and the topics to bring on board as presenters and guests and themes what works and what have you found that doesn't work where picking the presenters or hosts and deciding who to partner with, we're always looking for a unique point of view and something that's different and not quite done in the market yet. So where can we find that white space, that show that hasn't been created? And what's incredible about working with artists is they certainly have a point of view and they're usually open to being pretty transparent and really digging in, be it emotionally or otherwise to whatever the topic is. So when I think about, you know, Chelsea Erson, who is the creator and host of a podcast we did called Dear Young Rocker, which is sort of a memoir of a young woman finding solace in music and being one of the only women in the band in high school. And and, um, she talks about how music became a coping mechanism for some of her mental health challenges. And that became a big inspiration to listeners and something really different that she was doing and using this medium for. And I think about, you know, Nikki Lynette, who hosts a podcast we work on called About a Girl that tells the stories of mm. some of the women and partners who were in the shadows of the male counterparts that became very famous, iconic artists. And Nikki 
is also very open about her own mental health challenges and the struggles of being a creator. And I think the combination of the storytelling and that vulnerability of the host is what audiences really connect with and find really appealing. And uh, artists are are just in a very unique position to deliver that that kind of content in a really, really powerful way. And of course, the music that surrounds and complements all of that storytelling or that's being created by that presenter externally of the podcast gives listeners a broader universe of ways to engage once they find those points of connection. How difficult is it to find those white spaces where a podcast can fit? Because obviously the explosion in podcasting, especially given uh, the coronavirus, where everybody launched a podcast in the first six months of 2021. Um, But how difficult is it to find that white space where you can say, okay, this combination of uh, um, artist perspective and this kind of overarching narrative will stand out because it, obviously it's, it's always difficult to come up with something completely unique but to get that mix right how, how hard is that how, how do you work around that it's really challenging especially as the medium grows however every artist does have their own existing point of view strategy and in many cases audience and that's a really great place to start in terms of leaning into what does that artist really trying to do with their own career? What are they most passionate and interested about? And can you look at that and then cross-reference it with what else is being done, what's out there, take a look at the landscape and hone in on the thing that seems like it would be truly novel. But, but you know, you can have shows that are similar. If you have that honesty and that vulnerability and you have that genuine connection with the audience, it can grow. You also have to think about what are your true goals? Are you trying to create a massive audience, of course, everyone wants a big audience, or are you trying to super serve an existing group of fans who can turn into ambassadors? And this might be one more tool that you use in your arsenal to to reach a, a different goal. So I think a podcast in itself might not always be the end goal, it might be part of a bigger plan. And, and that's one way as the industry evolves that I think it'll be important to have maybe some different success metrics beyond or in addition to just how many people might consume a podcast on yeah. a given week or episode. Yeah, which I think is something that I think a lot of people within the music industry, particularly on the artist side or label side, are, are thinking about now, which is, you know, what what are your... Uh, KPIs you know how do you measure success is it is it just uh, listeners or is it something uh, as that landscape gets fragmented in terms of how you connect is it more about brand building and things like that and with that in mind what about from the from the artist side then um uh, you know as you, as we've said you know artists are natural communicators so i'm sure they're always uh, they're always happy to pitch you an idea for a podcast but w- what about when it comes to that more sort of uh, strategic approach of saying okay we are working with artist xyz and we are trying to uh build out a marketing approach which fits their fandom and a podcast would work really well because they're a natural communicator and we've seen a a few big success stories uh in uh, many different ways from from artists with podcasts so what are they looking for when they sort of uh, 
when you're talking to them? Like, what, what, what are those things that they're looking for in terms of success? One of the things that a lot of artists and their teams, as well as labels, are looking at are how a podcast might be a sandbox to create other things, whether that might be yeah. the, the place that launches a new book, the thing that launches a unique kind of storytelling tour or fan experience in real life that might create intellectual property that could be adapted to film or television that might yeah. be the precursor to an album or the companion to an album these are all different things that can provide value and that are being considered when a podcast is on the table and you know we haven't talked a lot about that ip but it's it's really a big one. And I think podcasts are a great way to prove out IP and to demonstrate traction before a bigger investment is made in, in that. Yeah. And podcasts are, as we've reported at Musical.ly, a huge part of the offer from music streaming platforms. It's been integrated everywhere. And your podcasts must be finding natural homes there um so how do you see podcasts and their role evolving on music streaming platforms or you know or parallel to it um in terms of becoming part of the contextual landscape around the catalog of music you know in term maybe in terms of aiding discovery of catalog music or perhaps baking in fandom to to, to introduce people to it to to make them fans of music this is a really great question and a key opportunity, I believe, because when you think about the audience discovering an artist, artist or going deeper in terms of their fandom, they're looking for new and different ways to connect. And podcasts can really be a way as either an on-ramp to an artist or yeah. as a ramp to other content and deeper engagement with an artist. So if you think about our podcast, the new season of Disgraceland just launched and the first episode was about Taylor Swift. And if you search Taylor Swift on Amazon Music, for example, you will find that Disgraceland episode right below her albums in that search query. And so it's another way for people to continue to engage with Taylor. And just the same, I see this playing a role in a bigger ecosystem where that might lead you to a book about Taylor or a documentary yeah. about Taylor or a Taylor notebook or some other product or yeah. tickets to see, you know, Taylor. And that's an example of a superstar artist, but I think it scales up and down and works at almost every level. So you're definitely going to see podcasts showing up in search results in a variety of new and different ways. And that'll go to, to the music streaming apps. I think to the television and video streaming ecosystem and to shopping and other platforms. And all of these things um, will, I think podcasts will be a connective tissue and potentially a driver of moving people, you know, marketing is a focus of a lot of your content through the funnel or through the customer yeah. journey in various yeah. different ways. So, you know, with our shows, hundreds of episodes now about known artists and figures that are evergreen in nature and I think can become a part of those journeys for a long time to come. Are you seeing 
you know, one of the big things that's happened in the last year or so is that um, catalogue music, that is music over 18 months old, but we, we can perhaps stretch the our focus here a lot further back to artists for instance who are perhaps no longer actively performing or you know music that is quote-unquote old which is getting resurgence in all sorts of strange ways you know a song will blow up on tiktok you know um or uh it will be or somewhere somewhere else it, people it just it will just sort of resurface and p- people capitalize on it are you seeing um owners of those catalogs come to you or to or, or to other people and and try and build podcasts to build the context around them because one of the difficulties is you know if, if you're 18 years old now and you look back to an album from the late 60s you've got no you know no social context you've got you know maybe a parent tells you about it or grandparent but you you how do you understand what that album or song means in that time but a podcast can do that is that something you're seeing absolutely this is a big opportunity in the same way that catalog managers are creating new music videos for classic yeah. songs and releasing those as a way to reach a new and younger demographic. Same thing is happening with podcasting and that idea of providing that context and that opportunity to go deeper, you know, with music at our fingertips, I hear from friends who have kids who are teenagers that they'll learn about a band like the cure who we mentioned before in in our podcast curious creatures and and they'll go listen to the entire catalog in one weekend and say okay i get i i got that but if they're really interested they start asking their parents for maybe a book or to see a documentary and if that podcast is served up right there it's a huge opportunity and so yes i can see a lot of investment happening and a lot more to come when it comes to creating podcast content around catalog as a way to uh, create that further engagement and stickiness and renewed relevance. Yeah, that's that's a really exciting idea, isn't it? Of, that you can go back to the cure or, or, or any any artist of any time, but you can go back to the albums of The Cure, which seem very rooted in the 1980s, and they're suddenly viable and alive and fascinating for 18-year-olds now. You know, I think that's... It's, and it says something about the, the nature of the music, but also um, the, the, the need for the context in that. Um, so finally then, what as you look forward, you're, you're obviously very positive about the future of um, music podcasting. What, what other opportunities do you see perhaps cropping up in the next year or so? I think artists are going to continue to look at the podcast ecosystem as fertile ground for experimentation and as as well, the other stakeholders working on behalf and with artists. And I think one exciting opportunity is to think differently about the RSS feed where that content gets delivered or just the, the place where you follow along that in in and of itself is like a mini subscription. And you don't have to be limited by a 30 minute episode once a week or once every other week. I think you can do a lot of different things with that permission that the listener has given you. So I look for some experimentation there, which I think will be really interesting. And then I think that last point that we hit on when it comes to the various ways to create context around an individual or a band, or a type of music. And the fact that 
that can be done in so many different ways. There really are endless opportunities. Just taking that one example of going back and looking at the cure, you can do that through the lens of someone who was alive at that time and wants to revisit what that experience was and, and have that nostalgia. Or you can do a totally different show about that same content through the lens of someone yeah. younger discovering it for the first time with all that yeah. enthusiasm and curiosity and fresh excitement. So, so that to me says, wow, we, we have so many more layers of content yeah. and, and creation to do using this new access that we have to audio storytelling that is becoming ubiquitous thanks to, to technology. Um, and, and to end, I think that takes us to you know, smart speakers and the ability yeah. to have interactive content and how audio storytelling can live and be accessed through all of these different devices that, that we now have. And as that technology evolves, so too does the creative opportunities to utilize them. It's, it feels like a really inherent part of the narrative around the music that we love now. And, and so, yes, it will be really interesting to see how that develops. Brady Sadler, thank you very much for joining us. We will put some links to uh, your, your various podcasts uh, beneath this podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the work that you do, bringing all these insights to all of us working in the music space. So that's it. A uh, huge thank you to Brady Sadler of uh, Double Elvis for joining us and uh, really uh, fascinating insights and thoughts from him. Um, of course, uh, you will find links to various podcasts by Double Elvis below this one. So have an explore and see if there's anything that you like. Um, if you found that podcast useful, please share it on with someone else who you think will get something from it. Uh, you can contact me anytime you like. It's joe at musically.com. And we have a free weekly email, The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing, insight, and skills from Music Ally. There is a link below the podcast. Sign up and impress your boss. Uh, and that's it. So from me, Joe Sparrow, uh, editor of Music Ally, uh, thank you for joining us. And until next time, farewell.